welcome to the 66th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Uh, we had some audio issues with the original um, episode, so I have re-recorded it. Hopefully the sound is better this time around. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This time around, we're talking about the Hills Have Eyes franchise, There are four movies total in the series. The first movie is The Hills Have Eyes from 1977, written and directed by Wes Craven. He, of course, is most famous for his Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream franchises. It was produced by Peter Locke, and these movies basically feature a gas station attendant, a family traveling through the desert, and some cannibals, so I'm not going to go into the specific characters here. I'll save that for the plot section. The second movie The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 from 1985, so eight years later, again, written and directed by Wes Craven and produced by Peter Locke. The characters of Bobby and Ruby, along with Pluto, um, return, starring Tamar Stafford as Cass, Kevin Spurtis as Roy, John Bloom as the Reaper, Colleen Riley as Jane, and Penny Johnson as Sue. Then the third movie, again called The Hills Have Eyes, from 2006, so 21 years later, this is a remake of the first movie. This time, Alexandre Aja is the writer, while Wes Craven moves to the producer's seat, so Aja wrote and directed. And Aja is best known for the French horror film High Tension, which is I enjoyed, I think is a lot of fun. He also did Piranha 3D and last year's The Crawl or Plano Crawl, which was a lot of fun also. Um, The remake is almost exactly the same movie with some minor adjustments, which we'll talk about in a second. And lastly, The Hills Have Eyes 2, not to be confused with Part 2 from 2007, so one year later, again written by Wes Craven, produced by him. His son, Jonathan Craven, joins him uh, and is credited as the writer. Directed by Martin Wise, starring Michael McMillan, Jacob Vargas, Flex Alexander, and Jessica Stroop. Uh, just to clear up some confusion, since all of these movie titles are similar, I'll refer to the second movie as Part 2 and the fourth movie as Plain Old 2. And then the original one I'll refer to as the original, and then um, the one from 2006 I'll refer to as the remake. Where can you find these movies? Shudder has the original in Part 2. Tubi also has the original Amazon has Part 2 on Prime, Uh, the remake, and Plain Old 2 are $4 each. YouTube has a bad copy of 2 for free. The rest are $4 each, as they are on Google Play and Vudu. These movies are not on Netflix or Hulu. Rotten Tomatoes scores. The first movie from 1977, critics gave it a 52. Audiences gave it a 58. The Hills Have Eyes Part 2, critics gave it a 0. And that's with seven reviews, and audiences gave it a 19%. The Hills Have Eyes 2006, the remake, critics gave it a 52%, audiences gave it a 58%. And lastly, The Hills Have Eyes 2, critics gave it a 12%, audiences gave it a 40%. Now, on to the plot. IMDb says, On the way to California, a family has the misfortune to have their car break down in an area close to the public and inhabited by violent savages ready to attack. And that's really it for the plot. It's very straightforward. So we're introduced to the Carter family when they stop at a gas station. 
and the attendant, who we later learn is named Grandpa Fred, tells them not to get off the main road. But what do they do? Exactly. They get off the main road. Then they get in an accident, and the car is disabled. And the Carter family includes Big Bob, played by Russ Grieve, Ethel, played by Virginia Vincent, son-in-law Doug, played by Martin Spear, daughter Lynn, played by Dee Wallace, who, as you know, has been in tons and tons and tons of stuff, including Cujo and E.T., son Bobby, played by Robert Houston, and daughter Brenda, played by Susan Lanier, and there's also a grandbaby named Katie. So after the car crashes, uh, Doug and the father go in separate directions to try to find help. The father is attacked and tortured and killed by the cannibals. And then all hell breaks loose back at the camp. Um, and then we kind of learn the origin of this, which is Grandpa Fred had a son named Jupiter, and he was badly deformed, and he also thought like crazy and he ended up burning down the family house, so he took him in the desert and left him there to die. But somehow Jupiter survived and found a woman and had a bunch of freakish kids, so all of them are related to each other. So Jupiter here is played by James Whitworth. Pluto is played by Michael Berryman. Mars, Lance uh, Gordon. Mercury, uh, played by producer Peter Locke. I think that's uncredited. Ruby, played by Janice Blythe. Um... At the beginning of the movie, they kill off one of the Carters, two German shepherds named Beauty, but later the other German shepherd named Beast will avenge her. Then the cannibals kidnap the baby. Um, that's particularly troublesome because uh, they're going to eat the baby. Then Ruby, the daughter of the clan, works with what's left of the Carter family, namely Doug, to save the baby. So in the end, Doug, Brenda, Bobby, Ruby, baby Katie, and dog Beast are left alive. And then for the cannibals, the mother of the clan, who's just called Mama, is still out there someplace because we only saw her in one scene. Next up, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2, IMDb says, A group of bikers headed by, heading to a race become stranded in the desert and find themselves fighting off a family of inbred cannibals who live off the land. So Bobby and Ruby are back, along with the doggy Beast. At the beginning, we see Bobby having a flashback to the first movie. And then a bus with bikers takes a shortcut through the desert, which is always a bad idea. But guess who is also on board? It's Ruby. She's all grown up, and she's going by the name Rachel now. And when they start talking about the legend of what happened um, in the desert, she gives them the scoop and tells them that she is actually Ruby. You would think that after escaping the clan, she would want to get as far away from that place as possible, but nope, she's back. Then for some reason, a blind girl and her sister are thrown into the mix of this movie, and you can guess what happens next. Um, cannibals start attacking everybody, attack the guys on motorcycles. They eventually attack Ruby. I wish that they had given her a better role in this and made it more kick-ass. Um, but they didn't, and the movie is pretty much a snoozer since I really don't like anybody in it besides Ruby. Um, yeah, some more on that later. Next up, The Hills Have Eyes from 2006. This is the remake. IMDb says, 
A family falls victim to a group of mutated cannibals in the desert far away from civilization. So this is almost the identical remake of the original movie. The Carter family is the same. They include Big Bob, but this time he's played by Ted Levine from Silence of the Lambs. So he's always great in everything he does. Ethel, played by Kathleen Quinlan. She's also been in tons of stuff. Doug, played by Aaron Stanford from 12 Monkeys. He's great. Lynn, played by Vanessa Shaw. Bobby, played by Dan Bird. Brenda, played by uh, Emily De Raven, who was on Lost and Once Upon a Time. <coughs> oh, before I forget, the characters in this movie of uh, Bobby and Ruby are aged down. So I think that works well in this. Uh, one of the differences in this movie is that the gas station attendant, here he's named Jeb, instead of Uncle Fred, and he's no relation to the family. Uh, he just trades with them. And a difference here is Jeb also purposefully sends the family into the desert, um, into danger, instead of trying to warn them off. Another difference is that Carter's trailer is wrecked by um, something sharp. Some, I can't remember the name of this, but it's called something strip that's thrown across a road to deflate the tires. So that's how the, their car disabled. In the original movie, I think he was trying to dodge a rabbit in the middle of the road and then crashed the trailer. Um, the baddies in this movie are also different in that they are offspring of miners who refused to leave the area when the government started doing atomic testing. And that's what caused their offspring to be mutated. So this is not one family of cannibals. This apparently is the offspring of whatever miners were left. Some of the names are also changed in this movie. Uh, Papa Jupiter is still there, played by Peter Drago. He's the most normal-looking one of the bunch. Then there's Pluto again. This time he's played by Michael Bailey Smith. And Goggle is new in this movie. His, this film's equivalent of Mercury, played by Ezra Buzzington. And he serves as the group watchdog. There's Big Mama again, played by Ivana uh, Turchetto. Big Brain is new, played by Desmond Askew. He may be the leader of the group. He ends up being killed off-screen by Beast. Then Ruby, played by Laura Ortiz, as I said, has been aged down to a little girl. And a new character, Sist, played by Greg Nicotero of Walking Dead fame. He's the one dragging bodies around, and he has a big brace around his head. Then there's a couple of characters, Venus and Mercury, and they all live in an abandoned town with a bunch of mannequins for some reason, and they have a TV, so they're not completely out of touch with civilization. Um, the survivors are in the same in this movie as the original, except this time Ruby sacrifices herself to save the baby, who is here called Catherine instead of Katie. The ending, the very last scene is also different in that in this movie you see someone looking through binoculars at the Carters, so this insinuates there are more cannibals out in the desert, but we don't learn anything else about them. Um, I do wish Michael Berryman had at least had a cameo in this movie and returned as Pluto. Uh, I think that would have been great, but that didn't happen. Overall, I really liked the remake. Next, The Hills Have Eyes, Plain Old 2, IMDb says, A group of National Guard trainees find themselves battling a vicious gang of mutants on their way, on their last day of training in the desert. 
Again, very straightforward plot. I thought it would be interesting to see how soldiers went up against the cannibals. Um, but uh, it's not a very good movie overall. Uh, the cannibals are dead set on finding women to breed in this movie. And here the cannibals have different names. There's Papa Hades, Stabber, Lech, Chameleon, Grabber, and Hansel. On to trivia. General trivia. The combined budget was $38 million and box office was $66 million for these four movies. The first film had a budget of $230,000 and made $25 million, so that's a good chunk of change. And the remake also scored big with a budget of $15 million and a box office of $41 million. A comic book called The Hills Have Eyes, The Beginning was released to coincide with the remake. There's also a 1995 movie called Mind Ripper, which is sometimes referred to as The Hills Have Eyes 3. It stars Lance Hendrickson and Giovanni Rapisi. However, uh, the only reason it's called 3 is because Wes Craven directed it and his son Jonathan served as writer. There are no overlapping characters in any of these movies, and the only other similarity is this movie, again, occurs in the desert. Uh, you can watch it for free on Tubi. There's also a Rift Tracks version on Tubi, so you know what that says. This movie's really, really bad. And really boring. Okay, before we continue with the rest of the trivia, I wanted to take a quick break and play a track from the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. This one is called The Forbidden Zone, and it's by a group called Tom and Andy, listed as one word. And that's because these are two guys named Tom and Andy who have scored tons of movies. And again, this is from the remake, not the original. It's called Forbidden Zone. The original movie, The Hills Have Eyes, according to Wes Craven, the idea was actually 
tossed around of having the baby killed, but the cast and crew strongly objected and said they would walk off if he did that. I think that would have been an interesting choice. It would have been quite shocking, especially in 1977, and would have told people that those cannibals definitely mean business. Michael Berryman's condition, and I'm going to screw this up, but uh, hydrohydrotic ectodermal dysplasia means he lacks sweat glands. Despite this, he worked in the movie for five months in a 100-plus degree temperature in the desert. So they spent a lot of time trying to make sure that they were able to cool him off enough. The film originally had an X rating, but Craven cut it down to an R. And the similarities between this movie and Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, so three years earlier, were intentional as Wes Craven was a huge fan of Toby Hooper's, Hooper's film and he considered this film an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In fact, many of the props in the Farrell family's cave come from Robert A. Burns' previous project, which was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Virginia Vincent's reaction to being shot was quite genuine as there was a mishap with a squib planted under her robe. The small explosion caused her a great deal of pain and she was briefly taken to the hospital. Ouch. Auditioning for the role of Ruby required the actresses, actresses to have a foot race. When Wes Craven shouted for the actresses to go, Janice Blythe hung back for a moment and then took off running and beat all of the other actresses to the finish line. She was thus given the role. The desert locations in the film were extremely rough on the crew. Not only was the rocky terrain difficult to walk on, let alone run on, but the temperatures would reach 120 degrees during the day. After sunset, it would drop to a cold 30 degrees in a matter of minutes. And as we said, Peter Locke had a memorable cameo as Mercury, and he was the one wearing the headdress who sat on top of like some cliffs so he could spy on the Carter family. He's only seen twice in the film. Um, the other time he is seen is at Fred's garage. Wes Craven was in part inspired by something that happened to him while he was taking a motorcycle trip with his wife through the desert. When they stopped at a small Nevada town, a trio of locals shot an arrow past his head and insulted him. When Craven threatened to sue them, they replied they could easily kill him, leave his corpse in a nearby salt mine, and no one would ever find him. So, best not to fight with the locals. After she finished filming The Hills Have Eyes, Susie Lanier was hired to play Chrissy on Three's Company. Lanier only lasted a few weeks during pre-production rehearsal when Mickey Ross, the executive producer, realized Lanier was wrong for the role and fired her. Ironically, she was replaced by another Susie in Suzanne Summers, who then became famous as Chrissy, although eventually she was also fired by the same producer. And before she was hired for The Hills Have Eyes, Lanier was a recurring character, Bambi, on Welcome Back, Cotter. And after the movie, she seems to have faded into obscurity. The locations for the film were 30 miles from civilization, so the cast and crew had to cram themselves into a few Winnebago's to be driven to the location. The Hills Have Eyes was supposed to be a metaphor for class conflict, racism, and other ills. The Carters can be seen as rich in society, and they're confronted by the Jupiter family, who are the have-nots. 
Craven said the film expresses rage against American culture and the bourgeoisie. Or maybe it's just a movie about cannibals. I didn't read all that into it. I just saw it as a movie about cannibals. And the movie is based on the legend of Sonny Bean and his family, which is uh, Sonny, his wife, eight sons and six daughters. They were a clan that inhabited the uh, Lothian County area near Edinburgh in Scotland in the early 1400s. They captured, tortured, and ate a number of travelers, and they were eventually captured by Order of Scotland's King James, who judged them as insane and executed them without trial. The executions of the Bean Clan allegedly involved grotesque tortures, including which this inspired that part in the film where the Carter family ends up being just as brutal as their attackers when they seek revenge. So that's a very interesting story. If you haven't read about Sonny Bean, definitely check that one out. Originally, the end of the movie wasn't as abrupt as it was on screen. There was additional footage uh, after Doug Kills Mars where we see the surviving Carters coming back together. Um, and then at some point, uh, they all embrace, then Brenda takes Ruby by the hand, and they walk away. This footage, however, was never used in the film because they favored the more brutal ending. Kill count here is seven total, three from the Carter family plus the cannibals. Uh, Michael Berryman did not die. He looked like he died in this movie, but he returned in part two, so I didn't count him. And then also, don't forget, we also had a dog and one bird that was killed. Now the Healers Have Eyes part two. Though it was released after Nightmare on, Elm, Nightmare on Elm Street, which was released in 1984, The Hills Have Eyes Part Two was shot before the movie. Writer, director Wes Craven had claimed that only about two-thirds of the film was shot before the studio halted production due to budget constraints. But when Nightmare on Elm Street became a big hit, the studio convinced Craven to finish the movie just based on the footage that he had already shot. Since it was not enough for a feature-length film, footage in the um, form of flashbacks was used from the original movie to pad the time. Uh, and that's why when I watched the movie, I was like, this movie just doesn't seem like it's done. Because it wasn't. So that's why they have the extensive flashbacks that people have complained about in this movie. Uh, Wes Craven later went on to disown The Hills Have Eyes Part Two, And I could see why. Michael Berryman also admitted that he thought the movie was terrible. This is the only film that I know of that features a dog having a flashback scene, which is pretty funny. Some of the music cues used here were also used in other 80s films, including Friday the 13th, and it's because they were both scored by composer Harry Manfredini, who we talked about earlier. Uh, Robert Houston returns to play Bobby in this movie. As established through on-screen flashbacks, Janice Blythe also returns to play Ruby. And this time, of course, she is going by the name Rachel until she reveals herself. So the kill count in this movie is seven, a bunch of motorcyclists. And I think that they hint that Ruby is killed, although she didn't put up much of a fight. Um, I think the survivors are one of the motorcycle guys and the blind girl. The Hills Have Eyes 2006, the remake. At three minutes in, 
The photos we see of mutations during the opening credits um, are not of atomic bomb mutations. They're birth defects caused by Agent Orange in Vietnam. Here, most of Big Bob, Ted Levine's actions are improv. And uh, again, I, I love Ted Levine. I think he's great. Wes Craven and producer Peter Locke originally wanted to film the new version in the exact same desert location as the 1977 movie, but when they went out to scout the locations, they found a number of condominium developments that had been built there, so instead they moved everything to Morocco, where it was also very hot. Temperatures reached 120 degrees Fahrenheit in the Moroccan desert, um, so it was about as miserable as the first shoot. The mutants were created by CGI, physical effects, or both. Most of the mutants with full deformities were created by prosthetic makeup, but the deformed kids who were playing um, in that room are digitally distorted using tracking dots on their faces, and Ruby is a mixture of the two using tracking dots for distortion and prosthetic teeth. Uh, makeup artist Greg Nicotero, as I said, was featured as Cyst, He's the mutant with the halo headgear. And if you watch the DVD of this, um, you'll find out that the father, Pluto, was supposed to have a par parasitic twin jutting from his chest. The effect was scraped for the final film, leaving him only one of the mutants who looks pretty normal. So I think that would have been a cool effect. And the mutants all have different deformities. Let's see what I got. Big Brain suffers from an extreme case of hydrocephalic cephalus and gorders explaining his large distended head and bloated neck. Big Mama doesn't seem like she has any deformities, but she's bald uh, and overweight. Sis suffers from neurofibromatosis, which explains the reddish lesions on his skin. He is also, oh, Sis is first seen when he's dragging a female corpse through the nuclear test site. Goggle has two, um, let's see, what's wrong with Goggle? He's got some problems with his face and his nose, and he has patchy pink and red skin. Lizard has a cleft palate uh, and a malformed jaw. Pluto has a misshapen head and face and appears to be mentally impaired. Ruby has her fingers fused together, possibly from syndactyly. Um, and also her face is distorted, suggesting golden har syndrome. And as I said, Venus and Ruby, the two mutant kids have similar effects and may also have golden heart syndrome and that's it for the mutations. Wes Craven who directed the original 1977 movie considered a remake after he saw the success of other horror films such as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Amityville Horror and lots of other stuff. The search then began for someone to film the project and his a longtime producing partner, Marianne Madalena, suggested Alexander Aja and his uh, collaborator, Gregory, Gregory Levisar, who, as I said previously, did High Tension. 
And after Craven saw the movie and talked to them, he thought they were perfect for the part. So that's how Alexandra Aja got the role. Since the film is set in New Mexico and strongly implies that a large number of atmospheric nuclear tests were performed in that state, in fact, the only atmospheric nuclear detonation in New Mexico was the Trinity test, the first test of the nuclear device conducted on July 16, 1945. The U.S. carried out the rest of its nuclear test at a Nevada test site and as the Marshall Islands at the lagoons of Bikini and Inuitok between 1946 and 1962. The kill count here is 15, including Big Bob, his wife, the oldest daughter, plus the mutants, including Ruby and gas station attendant Jeb. And again, we have one dog and one bird killed. And lastly, The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. I'm sorry, no, The Hills Have Eyes Regular Old 2. Originally, Wes Craven had the idea of Brenda from the first movie enlisting in the National Guard to overcome her fears, only to be sent back to the same desert with the mutants. Since the same actress was not available because she was off filming Lost in 2004, uh, they scrapped that idea. Let's see, what else? Director John Carpenter, another icon, horror icon just like Wes Craven, wrote an unproduced horror thriller called Prey, which is very similar to this, and it's also similar to the plot of Wrong Turn, which uh, that's a franchise I'll cover at some point. Also about a group of mutated, a family of mutated people. Cannibals. Um, let's see. The mineshafts were created by the same team who were responsible for the caves in the British horror film The Descent. Michael Bailey Smith, who plays Papa Hades, also played Pluto in The, in the Hills Have Eyes from 2006. Pluto is the Roman name for the Greek god of the underworld, Hades. So that's why they changed the name. And the kill count here is 17, which includes a bunch of soldiers. Okay. That's it for trivia. Why should you watch these movies? Well, I'm not sure you should watch all of them. Um, if you're a big Wes Craven fan, you'll want to check out the original. I personally think the 2006 version is hands down the best, but if you want to see how it all started, check out both. Uh, and I know the 2006 version had a much bigger budget, um, so they didn't have a lot to work with originally. I would suggest skipping part two and two. Um, one of my gripes about the original movie is the pacing is just bad. Um, but that's how movies were made in the 70s, so not sure how fair that is. And also the characters of Bobby and Brenda really, really irritate me in the original. And I want to kill them both. Uh, having said that, I know that the original is considered a cult classic. And it was very shocking to have cannibals on screen at that point in the 70s. Um, now, on to the recipes. We're talking about cannibals in the desert. So, we are not including any recipes for people, obviously. But instead, I found something else from the desert, which is prickly pear cactus. 
and prickly pear cactus has used it's been used for thousands of years to make a number of different foods. Uh, I'll include the link in the notes to Healthline. But let's see, we have uh, prickly pear uh, French fries, which is the cactus is used in place of potatoes. So that's pretty cool. We have prickly pear sorbet, um, which looks really good. It's a very interesting uh, reddish color. Um, you can mix in uh, the cactus with eggs, scrambled eggs. You can make a syrup out of it. You can glaze chicken thighs with it. Um, make pick prickly pear jelly. Try to save that fast. Uh, you can make a salad out of it. Uh, lemon bars. A smoothie. So you get the idea. But uh, there are a lot of different things you can make with prickly pear cactus. Just read the directions. Apparently they're very easy to use. You just have to get rid of the spines on those things. Um, otherwise the spines are really, really rough. So there's a few recipes for that. And where can you find us? We are on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We also are on Twitter at Food and Fright. Or contact us by email at food and frightening film. I'm sorry, contact us by email at food and fright at gmail.com or check out our website at food and frightening films.podbean.com. That should be food and frightening film fanatics at podbean.com. I've really screwed that one up. You would think by now I know how to say the name of the website. Anyhow, in conclusion, that's it for this week. Until next week, stay safe, social distance, wear your mask, and if you have to go in the desert on a road trip through the desert, do not take any shortcuts. Stay on the main road. Talk to you next week. <laughs>